Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Yes, I'm Biased, But Here's Why. I'm your host, Monique James. This is a podcast where we dive into polarizing topics and explore the things that influence how we feel about those topics, dare I say, our own bias. So please, share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's dive in to today's topic. Everybody's naked these days. Everybody's naked. Bikini tops in the grocery store. It's off everywhere. Everybody's naked. And I don't like it. This is my body. I can do whatever I want with it including show it off to the world thing. It's not my thing. I'm biased, but here's why. I am a woman. Why is it that I would be anti-expressing or biased against women expressing themselves fully in every way? Part of the reason why I started this podcast is to explore my own biases, acknowledge them, call them out, and then talk about them. That's the truth. I really am not into like hyper nudity and um, over sexualization. I don't like to see it. Um, I, I don't enjoy it. I, I think that it's a lot. But where does that come from? Where does my thinking that people's bodies should be covered for the most part, that it's not appropriate to expose your body to the world or in uh, outside of private settings? Where does that come from for me? That's, that's the question. I'm definitely biased. That is something that I recognize, but why? It starts with the way I was raised. I'll say it starts there, but that's not the full story. It's definitely something that has been true for me for a very long time. There are times even as a young kid when I wouldn't do certain things or I wouldn't be interested in certain things, um, wearing certain things. And even my mom would say, you, you know, you can wear shorts or you can wear or something like that. And my grandmother, um, who's no longer with us, but my grandmother would say, leave her alone. It's always been something that I've, that I've been aware of. It's very much so apparent that I had these sort of conservative ways of thinking already. But then when I stepped into my faith and became uh, a born again Christian that went on hyper load, hyper mode. Um, Once I stepped into my faith and in a pretty conservative church environment, it definitely ramped up that, that way of thinking for me. So I certainly recognize that my faith and the culture in which my faith developed contributes to why I feel the way I feel. It was already there, but certainly um, it, it, it was taken up a notch. Whether we're talking about 
biblical principles or whether we're talking about purity culture, um, all of those things I think contributed to me developing this sense of feeling like women's bodies in particular should be covered. But I also feel the same way about men. When I'm in the gym, I hate seeing men with their shirts off. It's so aggravating. And there's uh, more and more I started to wonder, like, why does that bother me? Because culturally it's acceptable for men to have their shirts off with their nipple showing, whereas we don't even want to see a woman breastfeed uh, in public. So like, what's the, I realized that part of my issue with seeing men with their shirts off is that there is a there's an equity issue there so uh, women are treated like your body publicly is unacceptable but men are allowed to expose their bodies in a public way so definitely that lack of like that inequity um and that inequality in terms of way of thinking about exposed bodies is something that bothers me. So I, I just, I hate seeing people naked anyway. Um, like I'm not married to you. I don't, I just don't want to see your exposed body. It just, it's not, it's not my thing. Um, so I started to explore probably a few years ago, maybe five, six, seven years ago. I started to wonder internally, why is it that I am so bothered by or why is it that I feel the way that I feel? Because I wouldn't say that I'm bothered. It doesn't bother me. I just don't like it. So I think, and I think there's a there's a difference between the two of those. Just because I don't enjoy something doesn't mean that it bothers me. I don't enjoy liver, but I'm not bothered if someone else eats it. In any event. I started to wonder within myself because certain things in the culture would happen and I, they would raise a red flag or my eyebrow would go up like, hmm. Um, One such thing was an article that I read in 2019. It came out in 2019 about Jermaine Dupree, a famed artist, producer, and um, head of Soso Deaf Records. If you're a child of the 80s and 90s, um, you, you know, Jermaine Dupri and his artists are pretty familiar to you, but he was giving an interview and the interviewer asked him about some artists, particularly female rappers, and he referred to Nicki Minaj, Meg Thee Stallion, and Cardi B as stripper rappers. Now, I certainly do not advocate for anyone to become a stripper. It is not a line of work that I would promote. Seeing as how I said before, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm quite averse to people being in situations where they're exposing themselves for consumption, particularly. So, um, let's be clear. I'm not stumping for strippers. Um, I don't have anything negative to say about them as people. Um, I just don't believe that that line of work is um, something that I would promote. But his... Jermaine Dupri's characterization of 
these three rappers in particular as stripper rappers was really bothersome to me. And so I started to ask myself, why is that? Well, it's at least in part because Jermaine Dupri, as an artist, as a producer, has been featured on, has released, has produced many different songs and albums that objectify women with no remorse, no regard. It's part of what he did. He was part of the, you know, producer quorum or, uh, you know, line of producers, a culture where that was okay. Women in rap videos with almost no clothing on, with money being dropped on them by pools. This is stuff that was routinely displayed in rap videos, even in R&B videos that Jermaine Dupri was very much a part of. But somehow these women who are rappers, who take ownership of their own bodies, now they're called stripper rappers. For context, there is a song by Marcus Houston that Jermaine Dupri is featured on. And I'm going to read you some of the lyrics to that song. It says, Love the way you move so sexy. I love when you are all up on me. But there's one thing I have to see is the way you pop that booty. Pop it for me. Popping booties is not what I would call the most wholesome activity that one can participate in. But in this song, it's totally fine. And Jermaine Dupri did not have a problem with being a featured artist on this song. But somehow, there's a different perception of women who are deciding to be artists but own their own bodies and the and, and own their own sexuality. That's an issue. I honestly can't be more clear that I am not encouraging anyone to be or act like Nicki Minaj or Meg Thee Stallion or Cardi B. I, I, I am not. I'm not promoting their music or promoting their lifestyles or, or whatever they display. I'm not at all. I'm specifically speaking to the fact that these women have decided that I am going to own my own sexuality and I am going to, uh, I'm going to put out what I want to put out and I'm going to use my body to do it. Let me be clear. This isn't, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't have talent as rappers and as artists. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is what they do with their body when they display their sexuality um, on on screen, on camera, whether it be on videos or album covers or even in their lyrics, they are deciding to own it. And when somebody like Jermaine Dupri comes out and says, well, that's stripper rapping or they're stripper rappers, he is, uh, he's diminishing their artistry simply because 
they took control of their bodies. Notice that he was not calling anyone out as stripper anything when he was participating in the objectification of women. The issue is that they are choosing to own their sexuality and objectify themselves. They are absolutely objectifying themselves and they're doing it on their own terms. So for people like Jermaine, Jermaine Dupree, it's fine to objectify women. It's not fine for women to objectify themselves. So women need to be available for your objectification, but they cannot take ownership of it and do it themselves. And as the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's what my issue, that's my bias. I can own the fact that I am biased against just kind of random nudity and you know, exposure of body parts all over the place. Um, it's just not, it's not my thing. I don't want to see it. Um, and I'll never get used to it or it, or feel comfortable about it. Even in that, I have more bias, even a higher level of bias towards men or culture making things okay for men and denigrating women when women decide to sit in the, the seat of power as it relates to our own bodies. That's, that's a bigger bias for me. So, and, and I know that it's bigger because even though Meg Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, even somebody like Lizzo, even though... I am not a fan of how they portray themselves, you know, scantily clad and um, even the lyrics and things that they that they talk about. It's obviously not my cup of tea, but I am more I'm far more concerned with the ways in which women are intentionally kept from owning our own bodies. And the, the ways in which it is okay, even within in, in every area of culture, it is totally fine for women to be objectified as long as it's being done by other people. So other people, usually men, get to determine where a woman and her body, you know, where they fit in society and in culture. So it's okay for a woman to be, you know, popping that booty in a in a rap video or in a rap song, but it's not okay for a woman to pop that booty in her own song, in her own video, and in her own um, lyrics. That is not okay. You know, we're, we need to be up in arms. She's not an artist. She's just a stripper. Well, does that mean that you know, people who were singing those lyrics and, and, and who had those songs that Jermaine Dupree was part of, does that mean that they're not really artists either? That they really are just promoting sex and that sells? If you're going to say that these women aren't artists because of how they use their bodies, then you 
have to wonder about the other side of that argument and what that means for men who use women's bodies as part of their artistry. There are so many different ways that we could discuss this topic. Um, I just want to stick to the music part for a little bit longer. Um, and just to kind of to talk a little bit more about what happens even in entertainment. So if you look at artists who have been successful, um, they have a generally they have a particular look. And it is a look that has been determined by the gaze of men. So what is attractive to a man? It is a particular figure, um, a particular complexion, a particular tone. Um, just there is a certain standard that has very little to do with whether a woman is talented because there have been so many singers, I'm sure rappers, um, who have not been given the, the shot at success. Uh, because they just didn't look the part. Um, you can, there's this, the story that Kelly Price tells. And if you know anything about Kelly Price, I mean, she's one of the best voices that you'll hear, but she was also a plus-sized woman. And so um, her relationship with record executives was really tenuous in the beginning. So over and over, you know, more and more you see women saying, I'm not going to give away power over my body or my art. And I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to present myself the way I want to present myself and who I am, you know, my art is that this is a total package. And if you don't like it totally within your right to not like it, but I own it. Um, you don't get to dictate and by you, I, you know, typically that's male executives don't get to dictate um, how I present my art or, or what it contains. And I think that's powerful. So I think the, you know, one of the things that sometimes I believe that people are a little bit afraid of is if you champion these women, if you champion a Lizzo, a Meg Thee Stallion, a Cardi B, that you're saying to young girls everywhere that you should, you know, dress scantily clad and use your body to make money. Um, and that you're saying to young boys, this is what is popular and this is what um, you should enjoy or consume. And I think the fear that jumps all the way to to that level, I think it's a little bit irrational because I think it's irrational because that's just one example of women owning their bodies and doing with them what they wish. You can apply the same principle to women in the corporate world, to uh, women in other areas of artistry that isn't entertainment um there, there there are a lot of other places where you can compare or where you can apply this idea for for young girls that says listen what you have as your full self you can use that in whatever way you desire now if i had a little girl 
um, you know, I have, I do have nieces, I have a goddaughter. I'm not going to be saying to them, go and watch, you know, Cardi B or Nicki Minaj and, and get some insight. But I am going to say to them, you have control over yourself. And what I'm also going to do, and for me, because my worldview is Christianity and the Christian faith, I am going to teach those principles and those principles will help any of those, any of the, the young girls in my life. Those principles will help them understand and properly apply that agency. So it's not just a matter of saying, own your body, do whatever you want with it. It's whatever principles you subscribe to, um, whether it's a faith or whether it's family-based, whatever it is, when you take those principles and you use it as the foundation for teaching agency over one's body, then you get a positive result. So I'm going to be teaching, you know, I would teach a young girl, you know, always make sure that you respect yourself. Consider that this body that you have, you have agency over it, but it's the temple of, of the Lord, um, that you want to honor it, that you want to care for it, you know, all those kinds of things. And that will look very specific because my worldview is Christian. Um, and there are some people who don't have a particular world worldview that they, um, subscribe to, or, you know, it, it might not be a big deal. Be naked. That's their, that's their thing. But my point is, Having agency doesn't mean, I don't think we need to have the irrational fear that now if we teach young girls to have agency um, or that it's okay for them to have agency, that they're all going to want, you know, bikinis and want to go to school in halter tops when they're five. Um, I just don't, I think that that fear is irrational. So I think ultimately what I'm trying to express is that I am biased against this, this, the notion that, you know, everybody should be exposed, that. You should just wear whatever you want, even if that's almost nothing, um, and show your body all out in the street. Not my thing. But I wanted to explore where that comes from. It's something that has almost always been there for me, but also that has been um, further solidified by my faith, um, given that I I'm come from a, a more conservative bent of, of the faith. Um, so, so it's good to know that for me, because what that does is it keeps me from then um, forcing other people, forcing my worldview onto other people. So if I see somebody walking down the street who's naked, um, and I don't mean really naked, but almost, I, I'm never going to do that, but I'm also not going to shame anyone who does. At the same time, I'm going to not want my nieces to be dressed that way. Um, but I'm not going to shame a person who does. So I think it's really important for us to know where our thinking comes from, why we are the way we are, um, how we process things. And it's important for us to recognize when it's just a way that we think and how we don't we have to be careful applying our worldview or our standards, applying them to, uh, forcing them, I should say, 
on everyone else. If you don't come from the same faith background as me or background in general, then it is, it, it's probably unlikely, or I, I won't even say it's unlikely. It may be that you don't share the same sensibilities that I have about this topic. That's okay. If you start talking to me about faith and you want to know what the Bible says and you want to know um, how to dress in church or then we then we're talking about something different. But if we're just out in the world and a, and a person isn't dressed with a lot of clothes on, I really, you know, I'm going to have an opinion because if I look, I, I'm my, my brain is going to make an assessment and my bias is going to come out. But recognizing my own bias keeps me from making making comments or having particular ill feelings towards that person. And I think that's the difference between um being being a good citizen of the world and being someone who is judgmental and um, accusatory and all those kinds of things. So that's ultimately what I wanted to share uh, and talk about on this episode. I would invite you to think about your own biases. Start to look at why you think the things that you think and feel the things that you feel and you know where they where those things come from. Are they from your upbringing? Are they from traumatic events that happened to you? Um, because it's important when you start to unpack the why it will cause you to be more sympathetic or to to give more grace when you encounter people who don't think the same way that you think because the, the reality is they haven't had the same experience so that's it that's all i wanted to talk to talk about today uh thank you so so much for tuning in and i'll see you on the next episode of yes i'm biased but here's why